Hello again, and welcome to, well, not really the Red Dwarf intro cast, because this is once again our special Shaun of the Dead, uh, Shane, Shane, of, of, the Shane Dead. of the Dead, part two, uh, in which we discuss Hot Fuzz, uh, with Shane, who strangely had never gotten around to seeing the Cornetto trilogy, even though he, he basically has lived it. Um, but first... <laughs> my, my, you remember when you were fighting all the zombies, Shane? As you do. We're not using the Z word. <laughs> My name is Heath. I'm Angela. I'm Shane. Of the I'm Darren. Hi, Darren. Hi, Darren. Hey. Yes, once again, we've brought Darren back uh, so that he can uh, help us talk about uh, these Edgar Wright movies that are just kind of awesome. Um, yeah. So now, finally, I can say that I have had a Cornetto. Um, Good. Had to go all the way. I believe that we were in Dublin. We were in Dublin. Dublin, yes. Uh, because I offered my cornetto to a statue of... Uh, of a uh, Dubliner's guy. James Joyce. James Joyce. Yes, yes. Yeah. James Joyce did not want the cornetto trilogy, uh, but the cornetto. But anyway. Um, tastes like a drumstick. Tastes like a drumstick, but, but yes. So the films, of course, as we mentioned in the first one, way back when, so named because there is a scene in every, all three of them that has a cornetto. And they're all yes. themed around a different flavor. Yes, different flavors of film. Yes. So, um, Shane. Yes. What were your first impressions of this film? Since you finished it, like, 20 minutes ago. Yes, I th yes. I've literally just uh, finished, literally just before we were recording. And I have to be honest with you, I loved the film. Mm -hmm. However... Uh, it wasn't as good as the first film. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you're not alone in that. I think I think that's you know definitely not that unusual and of an opinion. Um, I think Hot Fuzz is Angela. It's your favorite, isn't it's it? It's my favorite. I think it's better than Shaun of the Dead, hmm. and I hmm. like Shaun of the Dead. But I'm joining Angela's Fuzz. <laughs> <laughs> I like them both. Uh, I think just because I love zombie movies and horror movies that that Shaun of the Dead is, is probably more enjoyable to me, I would say that I can definitely see the argument that Hot Fuzz may be a, a better crafted film. But yeah. I enjoy them both. And in fact, I guess, me... I'd go so far as to say it's very close to being a perfectly crafted spoof movie. Hmm. I have to say, it did the start of it did remind me a lot of uh, Life on Mars. Oh, I thought you were going to say Life in Siren Sister. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, you are part of a neighborhood watch. Of, of sorts. The greater good. Yes. Yes. It reminded, yeah. me a lot, it reminded me a lot of English cop drama, The Bill. That first oh, yeah. sequence. Mm. I've been watching a lot of that on the repeat, actually, recently. I, I, I get the reference. We don't, but that's okay. <laughs> The first, like, six or seven series of that show definitely worth watching. After that, it yeah. went a bit corny. Mm. Yeah. Now, I will say that Hot Fuzz definitely um, holds up to repeat viewings mm. just because yeah. of mm. how finely crafted it is and how, like, every single little thing is foreshadowed. I mean, Shaun mm. of the Dead uh, did the same thing. But I think Hot Fuzz does it even more purposefully and to greater effect, especially since there's an actual mystery going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yes. So... Even though they weren't quite as blatant as they would have liked, there, there's one um, interview with um, Simon Pegg where he said one of the things he would have liked to have done in the film, one of the cliches he would have liked to um harped on was how obvious it is the bad guy is in most cop movies. Mm-hmm. And he... And he wanted to actually have a scene where where um, Skinner would be standing next to a neon sign, sign saying "the bad guy," <laughs> but Edgar Wright wouldn't agree to it. Well, Aww. I think they did a really good job of making it, you know, Timothy Dalton. Like yeah. every time he drives by, you know, his whatever song is playing in his car has to do with the crime, and you know, he always says you know he'll be in bits tomorrow and yeah yeah what was the one with the uh with the car accident or the car collision uh the fire yeah like, no no no, that, no, that no was... yeah i forget no what yeah. did timothy dalton say something about the beheading oh i can't remember yeah. but yeah he's always making his puns um yeah so that's that's one thing to talk about quite the cast uh, Definitely. I mean, you know, the, you've always got Simon Pegg and uh, and Nick Frost and, and these, but uh, but yeah, Timothy Dalton, uh, Bill yeah. Nye, of course. Or I've never mm-hmm. known how to pronounce his name. Uh, Niffy, we'll say Bill Niffy. Why not? Oh, and um, who was it who played Jim Broadbent? Uh, uh, Simon, Simon Pegg's ex, who plays uh, Kate Blanchett. Yes, Kate Blanchett, yes. who's in full like gear and you can't even see her but yeah and one of the conditions for her agreeing to do it was that she'd be uncredited too nice <laughs> nice don't don't forget about steve coogan mm. yep uh who else did we have there oh martin freeman of course mm-hmm. yep of Which course I think... most famous for the office yep <laughs> not anymore Obviously. no no not, not really well, I think I watched Hot Fuzz before Sherlock came out. So then when I watched Hot Fuzz later on, I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, a lot of a lot of good actors there. Um, so yeah, plot-wise, you know, it starts out, it's very much cop drama. It's got mm. ev- every cliche that you can think of. You know, he's... Uh, I don't guess he's the play by your play by his own rules renegade cop, but yeah, he's he's, he's too play by the book. Yeah, he's by the book, yep. but uh, you know, too serious and can't commit to anything because he's married to his job and yeah, yeah. I, I will it. say, out of all of the Simon Pegg characters, I love Nick Angel the best. <laughs> <laughs> he he's... is very sympathetic in his way, isn't he? He is, and he's just so. Like, by the book, and, you know, he wants to do good, but he can't relate to anyone except his peace lily, and, (laughs) like, it's sort of his, you know, coming out as a person and learning how to connect to other people. But they also, sorry, you got... No, go ahead. I was just going to say, they also give us very good reasons why he might have trust issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His, uh, was it his uncle? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, was the cop and then got arrested. Yeah. <laughs> and like throughout it, he gives really good advice. One of the things I love about this movie is that it focuses on police work and procedure as a way of 
um, you know, handling problems, and it never skimps on the paperwork. Yeah. Sometimes it blows up the paperwork, but it never <laughs> skimps on the paperwork. Which is actually a stated goal of the movie. Was apparently a lot of when they're doing their research, a lot of police complain that you never see that side of the job, so they made a point of putting it in. And they have like the action scenes of them doing paperwork and yes. <laughs> processing people. Edgar Wright is does really well with those, and I, I don't know. If, I don't know. Can we say that that Sam Raimi probably didn't originate it? I most associate that sort of. Uh, action scene with with Sam Raimi where you just have the quick cuts and the, the amplified sound. sound effects and everything. I, I think of uh, Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 for that, but um, Edgar Wright certainly uh, uses that to great effect there. Did people, people pick up on the, the underlying joke about Sanford? Mm, I don't know that I did. Uh... Um, in the British police training system, Sanford is a fictional village where they all go for their training. Oh, I didn't know that. So the comments are uh, like the statistically the safest village in Britain are all in jokes just for the police because they would know that statistically it's actually the most dangerous place in Britain. Aww. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Neat. I like the movie even more now. <laughs> but... Uh... So let's see. He uh, he gets to the town, uh, complaining that he has to go to Gloucestershire because really, who would want to be there, right? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> it's just awesome. Um, and uh, so yeah, we quickly meet uh, uh, Nick uh, Frost's character and Danny. Yes, Danny. Yeah. Also, one of my favorite. I'll like, you, I think this this duo is my favorite of he, the characters. He played. is so good at playing, like you know, in, in other movies, he often will play like you know the sort of the rowdy guy who drinks a bit too much and that sort of thing. Mm. This one, though, he is so good at playing the lovable, well-meaning doofus. Yeah, yeah. Like, I have trouble when I see him in more serious roles now because he was he's so good at that. It's I'm glad that he doesn't get typecast because he is, you know, really versatile. Uh, as an actor, but uh, this one, he, he sold it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. A lot of the time, he just wanted to hug Daddy, didn't he? Oh, really? yeah. Yeah, and you can also tell what's happened to him because he's been protected and infantilized by his mm. father, partially to protect him and partially to, you know, keep him from knowing anything. Yeah. Knowing mm -hmm. the seedy underbelly of everything that was going on. Definitely. And so it, literally all he knows about police work is through movies. Yeah. Like, that's all he knows. <laughs> I love the oh. line, have you ever fired your gun into the air and said, ah? No, I've never <laughs> fired my gun into the air and said, ah. Or the little bit towards the end where, where um, Skinner accuses Angel of having watched too many movies and he just cuts it and goes, uh, no, he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, and in Shaun of the Dead, you get the sense that their friendship is kind of toxic. Here, mm. you get the sense that their friendship is really redemptive for both of them. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. they're learning from each other. And, and, and Nicholas Angel does have a lot to learn from Danny because mm -hmm. Danny is much better at relating to people than Nicholas is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No doubt. 
Uh, let's see. We meet uh, the rest of the police crew. We meet Jim Broadbent as as the chief, and so he good. is as in every role. You, I can barely recognize the man from role to role because <laughs> he just pretty much is whatever character he's playing. Um, yeah. I don't know. Every every time I see him, I think he's going to pull out some Moulin Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is welcome going so to well. Sanford. <laughs> because you can't get gone. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and the the qualifying call the qualification on the casting sheet required for the the villagers was they all have had to have played major sinister characters in British movies in the past. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh. Um, and in Dalton's case, a sinister character was was Bond because he played Bond as the as Fleming wrote Bond as a cynical yeah. mm-hmm. person ready to give the game away and only doing it because he has to, not because he wants to. Well, Dalton plays a fantastic villain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like he's just super fun as a villain. License to Kill, I have to say, License to Kill is one of the best films, just best Jane Bond films. He might not be the most popular Bond, but in terms of technical, technically towards the accuracy of the book, he's, he's the best in that sense. He's mm. the most most authentic Bond in terms of the novels. What? It wasn't Pierce Brosnan? Oh, <laughs> I grew up on Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> was... but, but your dad would occasionally play the Sean Connery ones. I he think. would. Yeah. He would. But... Um. Oh, birds. <laughs> Let's see. What room were we then? Uh, yeah, so, you know, the town. Uh, I love how they introduced the town. Um, mm. Like, it really, as far as, as scene uh, set building, they do a lot to, to get you interested in the town. Uh, having it sort of from Nick's outsider perspective, we get to, to hop into his shoes and see that everything there is just really, really great and perfect and idyllic, except maybe not. Well, it's very mm-hmm. Stepford. Yeah. Like, you mm-hmm. get the sense that it's too perfect right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. And... I, I, to I love the scene when he's in the pub and he it chucks everybody at the pub. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> chucks all the 14-year-olds out of the pub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and has a pub to himself. And only orders cranberry juice. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Bailey back at the station. When do you start? Tomorrow. Oh, it hasn't stopped yes. arresting the whole village. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a really unusual. I, it took me ages to realise that was Bill Bailey. They re- the makeup guys did a really good job. He's got such a distinctive face usually. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I, I like the Andes. Oh yeah, the Andes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody has worked with somebody like the Andes. Mm-hmm. Well, they are technically right. There are more guns in the country than the city. Yeah. And farmers, yeah. farmers and their mums does basically cover everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, they, he, when he first rides back into town, there's a farmer and his mum has yes. a gun. Yeah. Which, See, foreshadowing. Which I only picked up on... Like in the viewing that I did for this podcast, and I've seen that movie at least half a dozen times, and I'd never put together that they were joking about every farmer and his mum has a gun. Yeah. Um, 
does Edgar Wright take a shot here? Speaking of uh, Moulin Rouge, does he take a shot at our favorite director's version of Romeo and Juliet? I think so. A little bit, maybe. But it's such like a a country theater thing to do. What's this? Poison and no friendly drop for me. <laughs> like to to make to make a serious theater thing based on like the most recent movie mm-hmm. in the most painful way possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how how hard it would have been for them because they're both very good actors to 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 act so badly must have been very difficult. For them. <laughs> Apparently, it's the worst thing you can do it to to ask an actress to, to act badly. Yep. <laughs> Although there is the old thing about to be to, to to be bad at something before you can actually be truly bad at something, you first have to be good at it. Yeah. Mm. No, that that reminds me of that uh, after credit scene in Buffy, uh, where they're doing the Greek play. It's like for the the puppet show or something like that. Yeah, they're yeah. acting badly on purpose. Is it puppet show or is it or is it nightmare? No, it's puppet show because puppet the, show? the okay. puppet show is part of the talent show that they were going to ah, do that okay, in. Okay, then. Okay. Yeah. It's it's first season Buffy. It always bleeds into one. <laughs> there was a there was an acting motif in the nightmare episode, but no, yeah. it was that was the end of puppet show. Sorry, I digress. Yep. Anyway, right. back to Doctor Who. Um, <laughs> Wait, isn't it back to Red Dwarf? If we didn't have off-topic diversions, our listeners would wonder what they were listening to. There I you know. go. <laughs> yes, Ruth. Oh, I'm looking at the cast list here, and uh, the Swan is played by Elvis the Swan. Oh. Yep. Oh my so, God, that Swan. <laughs> oh, so, and did yeah. you notice there was a Swan outside of Nick Angel's hotel door? No. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's like a stuffed swan or a decorative swan, there. Hmm. I don't know what that means. I just think it's funny. Maybe they have swan festivals. Maybe <laughs> instead of weird anthropomorphic bunny festivals. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the highlights of our Siren Sister trip. Shane explaining the Donnie Darko horrifying statues of rabbits. <laughs> <laughs> He is not ma- he's not making this up, folks. It really does exist. And then essentially it coming down to it's just a thing we do. Don't overthink it. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm, popping, I'm popping into town tomorrow morning. I'll make sure I take a photograph. You know, I have one. I will put one up. I'm, I've been meaning oh, okay. to That's go through cool. my 600 photos and get them online, but uh, of just sirens. Oh no, no. To complete your initiation to British rabbit-related comedy, you need to watch the goodies episode where Graham Gardner breeds rabbits on the moon. Okay. In order, he's breeding an army of rabbits to take over the world. Gotcha. As you do. As you do. Yeah. Oh, let's see. So yeah, we we begin to get our murders. Um, Accidents. I, I have to I have to say though, it did take us. A- to, for me personally, don't get me wrong. I said, I know, I know. I said it was a good film, and it is a good film. For me, the murders started to that in the film. Mm. 
Mm. It took too long for the first murder to happen. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. I was, I don't know, maybe, maybe this is just for me, as because as, as an American audience, just like him being introduced to the community was interesting enough for me. Being but... an American, having not murders on the screen is kind of refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? It's been half an hour. There's no murders. Um, but no, yeah, just him getting used to to, to small town life there uh, after London and everything. Like I found that really fascinating. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, maybe if if you know your reality is a little bit closer to the town there, I bet that would get maybe a little slower. So, speaking of, tell us about the secret town council meetings in Sirencester and your plots to murder uh, goat statues. So great or good. All the loitering laws and... And m- mouthing off about hoodies while everyone's dressed in a hood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those hoodies. So, no, seriously, Shane, like... Yes. How close, other than, you know, the murdering random people, but just the atmosphere of it, like, how familiar was this to you? How close was this to reality? Uh, did, did it seem like a, like a real town? Yes. Hmm. Um, but so many things. The mise-en-scene was very, very familiar. Hmm. Oh. Because I, I just know so many times, like, when they try to show southern towns, then it's sort of like they're working from an old Faulkner book rather than, you know... That, that's American southern towns. Yeah, yeah, American southern towns. They're working from, like, a William Faulkner book or Gone with the Wind and not, like, actual southern towns. It's very rare that you see a faithful rendition of an American southern town in television because they'll do Mm -hmm. things like nobody has air conditioning people would be dying without air conditioning (laughs) yeah (laughs) i i haven't met anyone with a with a quote-unquote farmer's accent yet though Mm. oh yeah and i loved that scene the (laughs) translation there Mm -hmm. yes yeah i rose it did remind me of King of the Hill, Boomhauer. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, the, this movie has an inbuilt sign that you've been watching it too often is when you start understanding that the dog squad got caught. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was one of our yeah, and I know we've mentioned that before, but yeah, do do other people understand that you can that Boomhauer is actually speaking a spoken language when they watch King of the Hill? Um, <laughs> And he is. It's not much of an exaggeration, and sometimes not at all an exaggeration. Uh... Oh, the the scene where they find the entire armory. Yes. <laughs> Deactivated kick. <laughs> <laughs> and like, was that like a sea mine? Like. Yep. Yep, that was a Channel C mine. What was it even doing there? (laughs) What was the entire armory doing there? Like, 
it's all jumped. Well, I think I think the once we know the full story, you know, he found them. Mm. So he yeah. might have been finding bits and pieces of the armories set aside by the uh by the Town. neighborhood watch. Yeah, neighborhood watch. Yeah. Could it be? Yeah. I never thought of that angle before. That's a good point. What would they be doing with a sea mine though? I don't know why they had the sea mine. <laughs> Just in case, you know, anyone was fishing illegally. <laughs> Um, I loved, of course, I've worked in newspapers for a long time, so I loved all the complaining about the misspellings in the newspaper. <laughs> and people are like that, too. They, they There's always a mythical time when the paper was completely free of errors. Yeah, but... Yeah. Back in my day. Now, granted, newspapers here, they are in the process of firing every copy editor that's ever been employed by a paper, and so, yeah, maybe misspellings are on the rise, but still. Yeah. But they're, yeah, they're downsizing and outsourcing. Outsourcing to places that don't have a basis in the local population, so they don't know when things are misspelled, and they can't fact-check. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, they're Especially around full. here, yeah. If you live a few yeah. states away, try and spell-check a story about Lochapoca and Natasalga. You know, <laughs> um, no, not gonna happen. And there's also that... do what you you wish to spell that. Yep, those are those are two local places here. Lochapoca, L O A C H, A P. I don't even know. I'll have to look it up. We used to live in Octibaha County. Yeah, we did used to live in Octibaha County. Which I live. I uh, worked let in. Just the... Let me just grab a pen. <laughs> I worked in the uh, public library, and they had to put down their county where they lived. Uh, so, and the space wasn't big enough for Octibaha, so we just put OKT. Yep, O-K-T-I-B-B-E-H-A. Everybody forgets the second B. Yeah, here it's it's Native American places. I get the feeling, yeah, from what I saw uh, when when we were over in England, that it's like places with the the older Celtic names, or or even like more current Welsh names that people are always having to spell check. Mm -hmm. I also find people seem to be under the impression that sensationalism is a new thing, but it's also as old as newspapers oh, yeah. themselves. Oh, yeah. Yellow journalism. I mean, in in um, Samuel Clements' papers, he relates at one point that he was the most happy person in the world when they found gold in Alaska because the story he wrote was complete crap. <laughs> and all these people went up to Alaska to look for gold and he was really worried there would be none, and they'd all come back looking for him. Nice. Mm, he was a character, anyway. Um, oh, yeah, Stephen Merchant as P.I. Staker. <laughs> <laughs> come on! <laughs> oh. Speaking of names... And let's not forget that there actually is an Aaron A. Aaron Yes. Yeah. <laughs> go through the phone book They weren't being facetious after all. They were being serious. <laughs> but yeah, when they finally get to uh, the big reveal and what's been going on the whole time, I mean, I, I didn't see it coming. I mean, I suppose I, it was it was clear enough that uh, that Timothy Dalton was was likely the bad guy, but. Mm. I didn't think that. I thought that was too obvious. Okay. I'm a, I'm actually wondering if there's a little bit of Red Dwarf influence in here. How do you mean? Because everybody did it. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Holly's reaction to reading Agatha Christie. I think they all did it. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a reference to, and I'm not going to tell which one because that would spoil the ending. But one of the Agatha Christie mysteries is everyone yep. did do it. Yep. Yeah, that's what he just said. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, you know, it's not just Holly thinking. I think everyone did it. Everyone did actually do it in one of them, and yeah, yeah I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't. My mum was a huge Christie fan. My, my mom was too, and uh, I've been reading a lot of them, and like I got a bunch of them on digital to put on her uh, Nook reader, and that really helped her along, so I've been reading through them there. A lot of good ones. She wrote a lot, so not all of them are perfect, but... Exactly, <laughs> when she's good, she's very, very good. Yes. Mm-hmm. But as far as this mystery, I did not see, you know, that it was going to be the whole town was was the whole Stepford thing going on. I love uh, that there's two valid solutions. Like the yeah. one that Nick Angel was uh, pursuing is a valid solution to the mystery. It's wrong, yeah. but <laughs> it like there actually holds up. Out. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And... At that point, though, uh, like the reveal and how they go back through and everything, that that's that's the cool thing is you know it's a comedy, it's a cop parody, and then at the end it's you know your crazy over the top cop movie action parody. But at its heart, there is a really good mystery there with really good clues and and a, and a slow build and and yeah. And again, a heartbreaking moment between yes. Nick and Danny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. The fact that there's off-screen chemistry there is so obvious between those two. Yep. And it really is there too because actually um, Nick Frost was someone that Simon Pegg worked with in a restaurant. And when he needed a buffoon character for space, that's when he <laughs> thought of Frost. Because Frost would always act the buffoon to, uh, in, to entertain the other workers in the restaurant. I need to get back to watching Spaced. I've watched a couple episodes and it was good. I just I got busy with other shows. And life. I didn't see the ketchup thing coming, though. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it was foreshadowed. Yeah, yeah, again, yeah. Yeah. No, the eye trick is actually one that I saw when I was when I was younger in the military, so... Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm used to seeing it with the, uh, the little packets of creamer. And just yeah. white fluid, yeah, white fluid, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But, oh, sorry, I just had a thought and it left my head. (laughs) Oh, no. Hmm. But I think, like, everything leading up to sort of the big crescendo, the big action set piece at the end, which, if you watch, Nicholas Angel and all all of the police, they are aiming to injure, not to kill. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Take note, American police. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Australian police, for that matter, we we've had a few problems with that Aww. recently too. Yeah. Well, as long as the there's end? no swimming parties going on. Yes. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved. 
yeah, I did love that finally the other the rest of the cops got together with him, that they've even turned against crazy Jim Broadbent. Uh, <laughs> Who can turn crazy so well. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Like, he, he can do unhinged so believably. And po- the... Uh, the Timothy Dalton scene with the stake, uh, the church steeple going uh, through the bottom uh, of his no, jaw. No, 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 uh, don't talk about that. I, I have to look away every time. I just can't. It's, yeah. But with the tagline, uh, they'll get, don't worry, you'll get plenty of ice cream where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say we won't be short of chunky monkey fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. What is chunky monkey flavor, by the way? Tom? I don't know. I, I'm assuming I have it's, no idea. Sounds like Rocky Road, but <laughs> I think it's got banana in it. Oh, that would make sense. Okay. Here, I think it's like Rocky Road. With... Click on my keyboard for a bit here. Chunky monkey ice cream. It's I'm a just... bit, it is a Ben and Jerry's flavor, and does okay. indeed have it's banana ice cream with fudge and walnuts. That looks amazing. If the banana's ice cream good, a lot of artificial banana products are yeah. iffy. But yeah, if it tastes like real banana, that'd probably be good. We tend to be pretty lucky with banana ice cream because we grow so many bananas. The bananas are fresh when they go in. Mm. Mm. I have to say, I have to say though, the end scene did remind me uh, of um, what was it called? The Urban Gothic episode, Pineapple Chunks. I'm sorry, mate. I didn't go back to it after that first one. Yes. We've never heard of that. Um, uh, Shane and I, for I know you didn't, did a cover, we covered um, the pilot episode of Urban Gothic, and it was one of those. Well, I personally was cheering for the monster to win. <laughs> was it like an anthology show? Yeah, it okay. is. And um, when it's good, it's when it's good, it's amazing. However, when it's bad, it is so bad. <laughs> Yeah, I was doing a podcast about Star Trek, and we were talking about Star Trek like that. When it's good, it's some of the best television out there, and when it's bad, yeah. it's just awful. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, back to Hot Fuzz. <laughs> Chunky Monkey. Nice fake out with the ending there, with the the grave with the last name yeah. on it, and we yeah. think that Danny has died, but mm. nope. But yeah, uh, that entire action set piece, it's like every single thing that they've set up has a payoff. Mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. one right after the other. Oh, there's one thing that we didn't get a payoff for. What's that? What did the judges think? I think they ran. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, we, we saw them, you know, taking notes. But, but that's it. You're right, yeah. I don't guess we did really see them leave like one would have expected. Yeah. Yes. Hmm. Maybe that's the scenes which obviously I haven't got around to watching yet, so... Maybe. Well, we're not exactly sure what the preacher was up to before he came out in the, out in the village to join in the gunfight. <laughs> Maybe gun the judges down? Stop, <laughs> yeah, maybe. This, stop this madness! <laughs> Surely you're a man of peace. Oh... Mm. 
Yeah, lately, for some reason on TV, Lethal Weapon 2 has been playing a lot. <laughs> so we've been getting a dose of the real over-the-top cop drama. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I saw a DVD of Shaun of the Dead in the film. Yes, hmm. there is. It's in the um, supermarket in the DVD. Um, oh, cool. Select the thing. Nice. Oh, can we talk about how adorable it is that Danny has not unpacked his house, <laughs> but he has, like, the most perfect DVD closet ever, yeah. like, backlit and... <laughs> By the pair of grayskulls. <laughs> but has not unpacked his house in five years. Well, that's such an 80s kid reference, though, isn't it? By the power of Grayskull. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's probably the only thing that will really ever date this movie is that reference. Hmm. I don't know. I'm trying to think how it might age. It's hard to tell how things age. Yeah. I was talking about that um to a friend, a West Virginia friend the other day. We were talking about photographs. You ever notice when you watch the really old films from the 1920s, they still look really quite crisp and clearly focused, whereas the colour films from the 30s are obviously deteriorated markedly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's, you know, their quality of film. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that, that dates things a lot for me is, is cell phones and computer use. Yeah. Like, yeah. so many TV plots would have been solved if you could call across town. Um, <laughs> or or 90s <laughs> movies using computers. Type harder! Yes. You have to hack the thing! <laughs> Lean in and look harder at the screen. <laughs> um, and apparently hacking consists of randomly hitting keys on the keyboard for 30 yes. seconds. Well, sometimes you'll have a nice, you know, boxes and pictures of little things going into the boxes and the boxes exploding. That's what databases look like. Yep. Yes. But, and the cardinal sin of all movies, copying something automatically deletes it from the original source. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like, I don't... In 1977, I know there's no way they could have predicted what the internet would be up to, but when... The Death Star plans. What were they like? Rolled up on a piece of paper, shoved up R two D two where the flamethrower used to be. Like once he gets the plans, surely she's already emailed them ahead, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> which is why I love the Family Guy take on that scene. They've copied the file. <laughs> now press. Uh, it's given me a little uh, the hourglass. It won't let me do anything. <laughs> They're inside the computer? <laughs> Smash. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, all in all, this movie, it's definitely, uh, it, it's its one to watch. Uh, I, I love that it's a, a solid mystery as well as a parody of cop movies, as well as a parody of over-the-top action cop movies. I mean, it goes through all of these phases, treats each one well. Uh, self-referential, good acting all around. I mean, there's there's nothing not to like about it for me. Well, that sums it up as far as I'm concerned. Also feelings. Yeah. So many feelings. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's genuine as well, which I think that's that's a mark of, of good comedy like Edgar Wright, is when you, when you set up real emotion 
on the background of comedy, the juxtaposition there, it makes the feelings, it makes the feels more poignant. Yep. Like, you really yep. believe that, uh, that Nick and Danny, um, have a, have a good friendship, uh, friendship going. And it's, you um, want their friendship to keep on. Yeah. You can see it's good for both of them. And I like also that the constant Nick Frost little quips, things like, oh, we did get a little drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we'll get a little drunk. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and uh, yeah, did did you, uh, when they were uh, talking about catchphrases, uh, like... Uh, Oh, yeah, um, did you say, you know... uh, Something about the cooler or the freezer? yeah chill out yeah. or something like that mm. and it's like no but there was a bit that you missed yes. where yeah. playtime's over playtime's over oh, oh and, and, and one of the best jokes the yarp in and the movie narp <laughs> his delivery of that narp <laughs> I have to say, Rory McCann did a great job of Lurch. He was both lovable and sinister at the same time. Yeah. And his face when he picks up the, the, was a gorilla or a monkey? The yeah. monkey. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the toy was that badly made. I think we can go with either, to be honest with you. <laughs> I think so. Which, possibly a reference to uh, Nick Frost's uh, gorilla impression... Or baboon impression from the first movie. And, and also a reference to the cheap crap you get at fairgrounds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, and but that was also brief. When he picks off those shots, every single one of them. Yep. <laughs> but he's not a very good gun user. He didn't make sure the chamber was clear when he finished. <laughs> <laughs> How many times did that guy get his foot injured in the film? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great special effect in the in the village square though with the toe blowing off. That was mm. convincing. Even though you know it wasn't real, it still looked convincing. Yeah. Well, as as did the church steeple going through Timothy Dalton's chin. That's what just yeah. the, oh, the blood flying up like it does. <laughs> Oh, and that's why he got the church steeple, because that's the murder that we absolutely know he did. Yeah. Yep. He killed the journalist. Tim Messenger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Messenger. <laughs> huh. How many people... I think a lot of the names are significant. Leslie Tiller, and she was... The gardener. Yeah, but she was at the till mm. at the end. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to have to go back and think uh, whether there were any more puns there. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, so let's see, I guess we've pretty much done our quotes, so do we need to rate it? Um, just one more quote, please. Oh, go for it. Okay, haven't, you two, haven't you two got a village ch- uh, church fake to, to supervise? No, we haven't. Well, actually... and when nick angel later on does the rude hand gesture and Mm -hmm. raspberry 
<laughs> to the guy. Yeah. <laughs> also, bad influence from Danny. Uh, that's the name. The word I was trying to think of was aptonyms. There are actually quite a few names that are aptonyms in this job. Aptonyms are names which suit the job the person do. So they're apt. Oh, yeah. okay. I was not familiar with that. We've got one in this town, actually. Our, our dentist is named Dr. Chu. Oh, uh, nice. Nice. Yeah, in sort of a reverse, there's a, a tax assessor from uh, my mom's ho- hometown whose name is Crook. <laughs> <laughs> Most unfortunate name I've ever heard, though. Poor guy. He's a dermatologist around the Tupelo area. And his name is... Eh, what can you do? His first name is Phil. P-H-I-L. His yeah. middle initial is A. And his last name is Hooker. <laughs> Phil A. Hooker. <laughs> if you wrote that on a comedy show, nobody would believe it. You know, that, it was it's too on the nose. His name is Phil A. Hooker. <laughs> Also, I think he does plastic surgery as well, so there's a whole other angle. But anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, must, please, no. He must have had a nightmare time in junior high school. Right? Poor guy. It's Philip. Definitely Philip. <laughs> the entire... Philip. No, that's even worse. Philip Hooker. Ah, that is worse. Philip Hooker. Oh, nice. <laughs> anyway. And now we're drifting into Son of Sam territory. <laughs> Uh, oh. So, um, Shane, do you want to rate it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't think I've done a quote, have I? Oh, Dev, if you want to do a quote, do a quote. Yeah, please. Um, uh, which one? Well, I which one should I pick? Actually, I've got quite a few written down here. Actually, um, <laughs> want anything from the shop? You've just been to the shop, thinking of a different shop. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. I didn't actually write down any quotes. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, I oh. can't remember what. Oh, I, I do. There is one. Okay, go ahead. Um, so, what made you want to become a policeman, officer? What made you want to become a policeman, officer? I also love when they're sitting in the car and it's, um, and Shane just reminded me of this one it's, and the, the young bloke's walking up uh, take him, why has he got his hat down so late? I'm going to clean this up because he's butt ugly <laughs> <laughs> so what, what do I, I can't remember, it's been such a long period of time I can't remember what I rated Sean the Dead I do not remember no no, I don't. Another lifetime ago. It certainly was. It was, yeah, 18 months ago. Uh, so. Oof. Oh, the barkeep's name was Porter. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Which, so, given most have... English pubs, are port. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm, that's true. Anyway, my, my rating would have to be. Um, uh, eight out of ten, I think, on this one. Eight out of ten, what? Oh, that's that's. I didn't come up with a rating system for this. Remember, I've only just seen <laughs> <in> the film. <laughs> um. Uh. Eight out of ten. Yup. 
<laughs> nice. Nice. Well, I would give the... I mean, I like I said, I love this one. Um, oh, what was that sound? Sounded like an old vinyl record being spoken. It wasn't me. <laughs> Somebody just say something surprising in an 80s uh, movie? Um, <laughs> I think this movie is extremely well made. There's not much I, I... There's hardly anything I can point to to criticize it, which is... I know, it makes for just riveting listening. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to give it a 9.5... Out of ten, escaped geese. <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies, period. Definitely my favorite out of the trilogy, but just one of those that if it comes on TV, I have to sit down and watch it. And, I, you know, if I'm just going bad and just need a comfort watch, then I will... You know, that's always on the list to put on. So, um, I'm giving it a solid 10 out of 10, um, uh, shots to the foot. Uh, I tend to agree with Angelus. This is about as close to a perfectly crafted spoof movie as I've ever seen. Um, I don't really believe in absolute perfection, so I'm going to go with a 9 out of 10 chunky monkeys. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, so that does it for part two of the Cornetto trilogy. Up AKA next, Shane of the Dead. Yes, <laughs> AKA Shane of the Dead. Um, so that leaves part three of the, world's the end. of the Cornetto trilogy, The World's End. So, Shane, base, can, yeah. are you there? Okay, cool. Yeah, Just based on the title, The World's End. What do you think the third film is going to be about? <laughs> the end of the world? And the apocalypse? Maybe. We'll see. I was just curious. <laughs> um, I will say that The World's End is quite good. I don't like it as much as the others. I haven't watched it as much as the others. I've only watched it once. Yeah, we watched it in theater. Yeah. We'll need, yeah, we're definitely going to give it a rewatch. Um, so that will be good. So, uh, we will be before, doing before, that. Before we go, I just want to mention one thing before we go. Go for it. Uh, I bought um, Sean the... Uh, no, I bought a hot furs just after we recorded Sean the Dead. <laughs> now you're just doing on purpose. Darren, I think you have a clacky typewriter. Yes, I do. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, you bought Hot Fuzz right after we recorded Shaun of the Dead. And I won't get this out even if it kills me. Um, yes. But um, I, I took the wrapping off literally tonight. It has stayed on my shelf for the past 18 months. Still <laughs> wrapped in plastic. Nice. I've got a few things like that. Yeah. Yeah. If books came in plastic, I would be really, really embarrassed. <laughs> Indeed. Well, cool beans. Well, we are going to sign off then. And yep, until next time, uh, thanks for listening. And bye, everybody. Bye. 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 No. No. <laughs>